All right, good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? Good? Excellent. A little tired, a little sleepy. Guys, good. It's all right. Good morning. Welcome. My name is Kel Castro. I'm the student pastor here at Austin Oaks Church. It is a true delight to be with you this morning. We are officially one week away from Christmas Eve and two weeks away from the end of the year, which feels absolutely wild. Time flies, right? Uh, And speaking of time, we are in the midst of a series titled For All Time, where we're looking at this concept that uh, God's plan for joy, peace, love, and hope are all encompassing for the present and for the future, for the now and the not yet. And today, as you heard Becca talk about earlier, we're going to be talking about love and how God has beautifully given us his love. But as a heads up, we're going to try some different and fun things today. Uh, You know, every time I preach, I like to keep you all on your toes a little bit. So just prepare yourselves. But because we're talking about love and we're talking about how God's, like what God's love is and how he loves us and how it affects us, we want to provide some time both in the middle of the sermon and at the end of the sermon to really practically respond, right? We want to talk about abiding in love today. And so what we want to do is ultimately give you some time to truly abide in that love, to respond to it. But with that, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Uh, And we're going to be kind of camping out there today. Uh, And so... I'm just going to switch to handheld. This is going to prevent me from being as, you know, wild with my gestures today. But, you know, we are where we are, right? But 1 John 4, 7 through 12, not to be confused with the Gospel of John, uh, but instead uh, it is one of the few letters that John writes at the very end of the Bible, right? And in, in these letters, they almost read more like sermons where he's teaching and communicating truths and encouragement. And in 1 John in particular, it's very Christ-centric and he's declaring a lot of truths about who Jesus is and who we are because of him. And so in 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12, we read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come before you in worship, both in song and in the reading and the declaring of your word, Lord, that we could be in your presence, Holy Spirit, that we could dwell in you. Lord, I pray that my words would not be my own, Lord, but they would be yours, that you would speak through me. God, that you would be with us today, that we could know you, that we could love you, and that we could glorify you even more because of how deeply you know us and you love us. God, you are awesome. We love you. We praise in your name. Amen. 
So love is a beautiful thing, uh, and it's really fitting that we get to talk about it in this season because Christmas is the season of love, right? It's why every movie that you see on Netflix and Hallmark is about love, right? It's how every, like, think of all the songs around Christmas that are sung that are, you know, just love songs marked with, like, a little Christmas wrapper, right? Uh, Because every year we love to declare how much we love other people, that we dwell in love because love excites us, and Christmas is a beautiful time to celebrate that, right? Like every year, Mariah Carey, she emerges from her slumber, from wherever it was that she was, and she declares, rightfully or wrongfully, so that all she wants for Christmas is, got you, you fell for it. You guys totally fell for it, you got it, right? But she declares that all she wants for Christmas is you, Right, last Christmas, I gave you my heart, right? It's love songs, right? Every year we watch Elf and Will Ferrell falls in love and he doesn't care who knows it, right? And every year for 12 days, your true love is going to give you a plethora of of gifts, 78 of them, five of which are a piece of jewelry, 50 of which are another human, which is a lot, right? And then 23, 23, are a different kind of bird, which I don't know about you, that's too many birds. I'm not a huge bird guy. I don't know if y'all are like bird people, but what am I gonna do with 23 birds, especially when they're swans and geese and French? I don't know what to do with so many birds, right? But love is wrapped around Christmas like a beautiful bow. And it only feels natural for us to talk about love and to dive deeper into love as a whole today. Love is what moves us. It's what captivates us and compels us and motivates us and fuels us. When we experience love, we want more of it and we want to share it with others. There is nothing greater, I would argue, than dwelling in the fullness of love, whether that's love that you're receiving from someone or love that you are giving out. It's so sweet. We love love. It's the reason why there are so many songs about love, why there are so many movies about love, why there are so many everything, right? But every song and every movie and every poem and every everything falls short of really capturing how amazing love is. We know this because we can ask ourselves about love. Like, what is love? Why do you love this person? How do you know that you are loved? And we can you know, kind of give little brief descriptions, but ultimately we feel kind of inadequate of describing how great it is or really putting it into words. It's almost like love is far greater than us and it's far beyond us. And we're just trying to use our very limited vocabulary to try to describe it. However, in this series where we've been talking about the now and the not yet and this tension that exists there, as we've discussed the previous two weeks, where we're looking at this idea of love and how beautiful and wonderful it is, I think we have to acknowledge that it can be really hard to feel loved sometimes, that to know that we are loved, especially when this relates to the love of God. Because I'm sure either y'all have asked yourselves or you've heard this question asked in some form or fashion, How can God say he loves me when blank? How can I know that God is loving when he allows blank, when blank happens, when whatever? How can we know 
that God is truly loving and that he loves us and loves me because I don't know if I feel that. Love can be difficult and complex, especially to feel, to understand, to recognize. But love is also beautiful and captivating and vitally important for our lives and the lives of others. And so it's important that we dive into it, that we can understand love and not just love, but God's love for us and dwell and abide in it. When we dive into our passage today, we see why this is. First John 4, 7 says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Love is from God. And not only this, but in verse eight, John actually goes on to write that God is love. We are trying to describe and define and understand something that by its very definition is limitless and indescribable. If God himself is the source of love and is in fact love, and if God is infinite and indescribable and beyond measure, how could we possibly describe or or understand the depth of love? We understand now why it, it may be a little bit difficult for us to put into words, to capture, to understand, but we also understand why it is so captivating, why when we feel loved, even if we don't understand it, why it's so compelling. Because when we experience love, when we feel love, we are experiencing the magnificence of God. We are basking in how amazing and wonderful and beautiful God is because that's who he is. He is love. In 1 John 4, we find what I like to refer to as John's parallel or answer to Paul's famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. It's a chapter we studied earlier uh, this year. It's a chapter all about love and you know all these things. But I feel like in my headcanon, John read this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 and was like, I feel like I could say the word love way more. I feel like I could like, that's chump change, right? Like, let me, let me get my stab at this, right? And in verses uh, 7 to 21 and 15 verses, he says the word love 27 times, which is like an incredible dedication to the bit where he's like, no, I'm going to keep hammering this point in, right? This passage is so sweet because it reveals some incredible truths about love, where it comes from, how God has given it to us, why he has given it to us, and what we are to do about it, how it affects us. Ultimately, what we read in this passage is that God has continually given us this amazing gift of love and that we are to abide in it, to dwell in it, to sit and how amazing it is. God gives us love, we abide in love. That's what the, you know, if you take something away, that's what this is, is that God has given us this amazing love and we are to abide in it, let it move us and change us. But what does that mean? Why are we talking about this in Advent in a season where we're supposed to be talking about Christmas and all these things? And, and how do I know that I am loved and that God has given his love? How do we know this? How do we feel this? And really what we mean by this is, is when we are dwelling in God's love, when God is giving us this beautiful gift of his love, it is meant to elicit two different reactions from us. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. First is that God loves us 
that we would know him. God loves us that we would know him. Think of every relationship in your lives where you are you know, trying to show someone the love that you have for them, that you are filled with love and you want to display this, right? In these instances, you have love in your heart and you want to display it for one of a few different reasons, but probably most importantly, you want that person to know you and to love you in return. We want people to know us and to love us. How better to be truly known by someone than to show someone love. That's how we get to display who we truly are. As a parent, you want your kid, you want your child to feel loved and you want them to know who you are as their mother or father so that they can dwell and delight in the joy and the comfort and the wisdom and the security and in and and everything that you give them, that they could know you as their mother and father and say, I love you. Thank you, right? As a friend, you want to show love to your friends so that you can dwell in, in this something sweeter, that you can have a relationship built on something more than just, you know, shared interests or, or, or similar personalities that you get to bond based on love felt for each other as a romantic interest, right? You want to show love to your significant other so that they can know who you truly are and experience the depth of the feelings you have for someone. And if that leads towards marriage, that you want to represent ultimately the love that God has for the church, that you get to experience and dwell in this amazing love that we get to know each other. And this is how we ultimately, we want to be known. We want to know others and be known. That's what love gets to do. And that's how it is with God as well, but to an infinitely greater degree. God loves us that we would know him. As we read earlier in 1 John 4, 7, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Love is from God and those who love others know him. God has consistently over all time shown us love in incredibly powerful ways so that we may know him. And in this week's version, this week's segment of Greek Lessons with Kel, where I teach you one of the five Greek words I know, right? Where I've got them in my back pocket ready to pull out for a sermon's notice, right? This word know is the Greek word gnosko. And that, that word gnosko isn't just like a factual awareness of something. Like I know two plus two equals four. I know that the Cowboys are playing later. I know facts, right? Things like that. This word gnosko is a personal, intimate, relational awareness of someone, a revealing of someone's true character that we could know them and love them, right? If, you're, if you speak Spanish, this word gnosko probably sounds really similar to the word conocer, conozco, the first person version of that, right? And that's because it is a personal knowledge, an intimate relational knowledge of someone. God loves us that we would not just know about him, but that we would know him, that we would love him. But what, does, what exactly does this mean? That, that God loves us, how do we know this? What does God do to show us his love that we could know him? Because as we mentioned earlier, it can be really difficult to feel loved. When we look at the things that are happening to us, around us in the world, how can we say God is loving when this, how do we know this? 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. By this is love perfected so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. If God himself is love, without even addressing creation, God made his love manifest among us by sending his own son, the physical image of the invisible God, to live with us, to be born amongst us so that we could live in him, right? Merry Christmas, right? Jesus was born, amen, right? Not only this, but Jesus then lives this life and displays the greatest form of love that anyone ever could by serving as the propitiation of our sins. That's a fancy church way of saying that Jesus served as the sacrificial replacement of all of our sins that separated us from God, that removed us from relationship with him and condemned us to death, that he died on the cross so that we could have life instead. And not only this, but we know that he loves us and our love abides in him because he sends us his Holy Spirit so that we may dwell in the fullness of God's love and his presence. I think sometimes we kind of forget about the Holy Spirit, but it's a reason we've talked about him so much this year is that we in the Holy Spirit have the very presence of God with us, that we have the fullness of his love dwelling inside us. And eventually, One day we know that Jesus is going to return for us one day. And what a beautiful truth this is because we know that those of us who know him, who have said, Lord, I need you, save me, I love you, I want you, that we can have confidence that when he returns, we will see him as our savior who judges us for eternal life and not for death and condemnation. We know God has done everything to love us so that we can know him. But here's the deal. Knowing God is far different and far better than just knowing someone like me or anyone else. In John 17, three, John writes, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. When you know me, you get some dad jokes, you get a guy who tells a little bit rambling stories, and so you kind of check out, and then you come back in, and you're, oh, he's still talking, and then you kind of check out again, right? You, you're going to get someone who don't want to win board games, because as my wife has told me, I can be a little bit of, a, of an obnoxious winner, right? It's, you know, it is what it is, right? When you know God, when you know Jesus Christ, you get eternal life free from pain, free, some, free from suffering, full in love and in perfection and beauty and wonder. That's a far better deal. That's a far better trade. And the good news is that Jesus has done everything necessary. He has crossed every mountain, climbed, you know, he's gone to the ends of the world, every length, so that we may know him and love him and it is completely free for us. 
It does not cost us. There is no work required of us to say, man, as long as I live good enough or do this or do that, then we're good. He has given us free eternal life, not because we deserved it, but because he loved us. That's why we know that even in the midst of our hurt and our pain and our suffering and our loneliness and our confusion, our wondering, does God actually love me? That's why we can know that he truly does because Jesus has gone to every length to display the magnitude of his love for us so that we could know him and have life in him. God loves us that we would know him. I wanna go ahead and ask our volunteers uh, to go ahead and pass out our communion elements to those who haven't already done this. Now, you may be used to communion being kind of the end of a sermon. But as I said earlier, we're doing new and different things today. So you don't have to rush out the room. You don't need to go grab your kids. If you were like, man, Kel's even shorter this time than last time. Like, sorry, it's not how it works this time, right? But what we want to do right now is we want to take a practical moment to abide in the love of Christ and respond to it. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a song of worship. We're gonna have our band come up and and, and declare some amazing truths about God, about how much he has loved us. And then we're gonna take a moment in the middle to take communion and then we'll sing another song. And the reason we're doing this is because as I said earlier, I think it's vitally important not just to hear truths about God, to not just hear truths about his love, but truly to dwell and abide in it. And when we are singing songs, when we are looking at these words and and putting them to a melody, one thing we get to do is to abide in the love of God and say how sweet it is that God has loved us and that we get to declare that truth to him. And as we are singing this, we get to prepare our hearts in worship, not just to sing songs, but to partake in one of the sweetest things that we as Christians get to do, and that's partake in the Lord's Supper. Sometimes I think we can treat the Lord's Supper, if you've done it before, if you have no idea what it is, I'll explain it real quick, right? If you've, it, I think we can have this tendency to take it in some of a mechanical way where we just, you know, we take the bread, we eat it, we take the juice, we drink it, we move on with our day, but truly, In the Lord's Supper, we have one of the sweetest gifts to us from Jesus that we have a practical, physical response that that reminds us of how deeply and sweetly Jesus has loved us, that he laid down his life for us, that he broke his body and spilled his blood for us on the cross so that we could have life instead. It's a beautiful reminder, no matter where we are in our lives, that Jesus truly loves us. And we get a moment to abide in that. So what we're going to do is, y'all ready? We're going to sing a song of worship. And I want you during this time to consider how much God loves you. I want you to consider if you believe that, if you feel that, and, and if you do, to worship and praise God for it. And if you don't, I want you to think on if you do. 
We're going to have a moment here in a sec. I'll explain more in a little bit. But I want you to dwell on this idea, on this question. Do you know God? Do you love him? Because he loves you and wants to know you greater and greater ways. We're going to head into this song of worship. I'll pray real quick and then we'll respond in some worship. Father God, thank you for being a God who loves so powerfully and wonderfully. And I pray that during this time, you would reveal how deep you truly love us, that we could know you and love you more. We pray this in your name. Amen. I know with all 
we wanna take a moment now to respond in communion. But as I was saying earlier, I want you to dwell and I want you to think on this knowledge as we're taking this. Do you know God? Do you love him? If you do, partake in victory and celebration and worship. This is not just eating some bread or drinking some juice, but instead is, is our way to say, Lord, you have loved me so greatly and I love you too. I want to know you more and love you more. And if you don't, I would encourage you to ask yourselves, do you want to? We're gonna have volunteers, we're gonna have staff around the room who during this next song are gonna be available to pray with you. If you have questions about God's love, do you know it, do you feel it? How can you feel it? If you have things going on in your lives that you need prayer for or that you need to get off your chest, <clears throat> if you have questions about anything, we want to open this time for you to actually have conversations with people. If you feel a pressing on your heart to talk with someone. We have people around the room who are going to be available to do so. And I would encourage you, if you feel this prompting, let yourself be interrupted. Even if it takes more than this next song, if you feel like you need to have a longer conversation, please do so. This is your time. You don't need to worry about my sermon or anything else. Let this time be yours. If you want to talk to someone, if you feel moved to do so, please do. But with that, I'll see if I can do this one-handed. On the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he broke the bread. He passed it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Likewise, he took the cup, he passed it to his disciples, saying, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. Let me pray for us and we'll head into our next song. Father God, we love you. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that if there are those who need to talk, if there are those who have questions or who are hurting, Lord, move them to know you, to talk to you, to fall deeper in love with you. Lord, be our God who loves us so dearly. Let us know that and feel that. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Good morning, church. You can take a seat. My name is Kel Casto. I'm the student pastor here at Austin Oaks. I can guarantee you this second half of my sermon will be the shortest sermon you've ever heard me preach. I say that. I may talk for another hour. Who knows? I won't. I promise. That would be, that'd be a lot, right? But as we move into this second part, you'll remember that we just talked about how uh, we, like God's love, when we dwell in it, when we abide in it, is meant to elicit two different reactions from us. And it's important. We just talked about how God loves us, that we would know him. And I want you to keep that in your mind because it's important as we move into this second response. And it's that God loves us, that we would love others. We already talked about how we love others with the desire that they would know us and love, love us in return. But we also have to consider a somewhat more practical purpose of love. And there's a truth that when we show love to someone, we are hoping uh, that, that our love would shape the way that that person acts thereafter. And this is not in a manipulative way or a selfish way where I'm trying to get something out of this, where I'm gonna love you or make it look like it so that you, you know, give something to me. But in fact, what it is, is I've experienced love from God. I've experienced the sweetness of this. And so I know something greater and better for you. And I want you to have that same thing. I want you to dwell in this same love and to respond and give it to others. Likewise, obviously we want the people we love to love us in return, but we also want them to learn to love other people. Well, to act in love as well. One of the goals of parenting is to love your children, not just so that they would feel loved and know you, but also so that they would be functioning members of society who treat other people with love. When I show love to Judah, I want him to know that me, his father, that I love him. I want him to know me, but I also want him to grow up to be a man who loves others well, who is defined by the way that he loves people. And the same should be true for teachers, coaches, pastors, disciples, anyone in authority or anyone like that. We want to love the people in our lives so that they would know how to love other people well and so that they would act in love towards other people. And once again, this same concept is true for God, but to an even greater degree. God loves us that we would love others. God loves us that we would love others. John relays this mandate in 1 John 4, 7. The first thing he tells us is, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows him. We are called to love one another because God has loved us. God, has, God is love and he has given us lavishly of his love, of himself, that we may know him and love him and experience him. And when we are filled with that love, 
the overflow of it compels us to share it with other people, to give that same love to others. In the rest of the passage, John will write, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Over and over and over and over, we see this same sentiment. We love because he first loved us. And if we love God, we must love other people. God loves us that we would love others. When we look at all of the incredible things God has done to show us love, that he created us and brought us into relationship, that even when we rejected him, when we hated him, that he still sent his son down to be born, to live amongst us, to die a horrible death and to raise from the grave so that we could have him forever, that we could dwell in that love, that he sends us his Holy Spirit, that we may have his presence with us always and that he promises to return one day to bring us out of hurt and pain into perfection in life when we dwell on how deeply God has loved us, it should compel us not only to want to know God more, not only to want to worship him more and give, us, give him our praise and affection, but it should drive us to share that same love with other people who, just so that they could know God more as well. Maybe they know him already, maybe they don't, but we are called to love other people so that they can experience the love of God. And John is adamant about this fact. He says, if you say you love God, if you claim to have been moved to salvation by God, yet you hate the people around you, you don't know God because God is love. God's love fills us, it changes us, and it moves us to share his love with other people. Not because we are particularly loving, not because we are really good at giving love or capable of it, but because God gives us his love so luxuriously that it fills us, overflows out of us, and pours out into other people. Not just for those that it's easy to love, but also for those who we have a tendency to hate. On our own, we are not capable of loving anyone. And that might ruffle a few feathers, so I'm gonna say it again. On our own, without God, we are not capable of loving anyone. Not those who it's easy to love and not those who it's hard to love. But because God has loved us, not because we were easy to love, but because we were in fact unlovable, we were sinful, we were his enemies who hated him, that he, because he has loved us and given us that love, we are filled with that same love to share with other people. Our love is a beautiful testimony 
of how God has moved in our lives and how he wants to move in the lives of others. These other people that you're loving, they could be people who know God, people who don't, people who are far from him, people who have never heard of him, people who have been in church their whole lives, people who have never stepped foot at all. We are called to unabashedly, to unequivocally share that love that God has given us with other people. For those who know God, who have called out to the Lord in salvation, when we show love to them, it is an encouragement and a reminder of the gospel, which we all need all the time. In Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, we read, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The confession of our hope is that Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave that we could have life with him. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When we dwell and abide in the love of God that he has poured out into us, we are called to pour that same love to those who have experienced it previously so that they may be reminded of it and taught by it and encouraged by it and exhorted by it, that they may grow and mature and move more into knowledge of God, more into love of him and become more like Christ themselves. That's why we have things like small groups, which if you're not in one, side note, join a small group, right? Because, shameless plug, right? <laughs> right, like we want you to be in community. We want to know each other, to love each other so that one of the main reasons we can do this is so that we can encourage each other with the love of God so that when the things that are going on in our lives that are difficult and make us feel lonely and unloved and uncared about, when those things happen, we can say, God loves you, this is why, and we are going to be in this together. We are going to show the love of God to each other and carry burdens for each other. That's what we are called to do. And for those who don't know God, who have never called out to the Lord in salvation, this is an opportunity for them to see and experience the love of God for themselves and hopefully respond in salvation. If we are only capable of truly loving someone when we ourselves have experienced the love of God in truth and that love overflows out of us, when we give that same love to others, when we are sharing the love that we have been filled by, they are getting a glimpse of the love and the presence and the glory of God himself. Apart from God, we are all sinners. We are all enemies of God. But look at the lengths that Jesus went to to declare his love for us, to bring us back to him. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And Jesus tells us in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus loved us with the greatest love imaginable when we were far away, when we wanted nothing to do with him, when we hated him, when we were sinful, when we were his enemies. And now 
he is calling us to share the exact same love with other people that they may know him also. This means that we are called to love others in the way that we treat them. And we are called to love others with the truth we speak. We are called to meet the needs of other people, to sacrifice our own time and money and energy and efforts. We are called to care for other people and do whatever it takes to practically love other people. And we are also called to speak the truth in love to other people. We are called to provide the encouragement of the gospel to those who desperately need it. And we are called to love other people enough to set aside our own desire for control or comfort so that someone may get a glimpse at the presence of God. Maybe for the hundredth time, maybe for the first time. And again, as we mentioned earlier, we all know what it feels like to feel unloved, to feel uncared about, to feel like no one knows what is going on in your heart, in your life, to feel like you're just trudging through, trying to survive, that you, you feel alone and just wishing that someone would reach out, that someone would notice how hard things are, that someone would just care enough to say, hey, are you okay? Are you all right? How are you doing? That, that someone would just love us. We all know what that feels like. And the beautiful news is that we have a God who has loved us and gone to every length to show us his love, even when we are in pain and suffering, even when we're alone, we can know that Jesus loves us because what he has done for us. He came down to earth to be born, to live, to die, to raise from the grave, to send us his Holy Spirit, to return for us one day, not because we deserved it, not because he needed to or was obligated to, but simply because he loved us. We can rest assured in that even in our darkest moments that God loves us and we are now called to be that love to other people, to share that love with other people. There are people in our lives who are hurting and struggling and in desperate need of love. You may know who those people are. You may have no clue who they are. You may know things going on in the lives of people around you. You may have no idea, but there are people around us. You may be that people, right? Who are hurting and in need of love. And God is calling you to be the love of Christ for those who desperately need it. We are called to dwell and abide in the love of God and to share that love with other people so that hopefully they could feel and experience that same love and know God, maybe in a deeper and a more beautiful relationship and maybe for salvation. God loves us that we would love others. As we close out, and this time I actually am done, like I said, shortest sermon ever. As a church, we want to give everyone the opportunity to practically respond in this. 
We don't want to just be a people that hear a good message, that hear about the love of God and go, that's great. And then we go on about our days. We wanna be a people who are moved by it, who dwell in it, who want to know God more and who take practical steps to respond in love towards other people. And so we have an opportunity to do that right now. Not only do we have our giving program that's designed to meet the needs of the people in our community, people in the schools around us, people around the world, but we also have a Christmas letter writing station that's gonna be right out here in the lobby. Um, and what, what our design and what our goal for this is we want this to be an opportunity for you to reach out to the people in your life who maybe you want to give a little bit of particular love and encouragement to in this season. This, you know, we have note cards and postcards that you can fill out. If you know someone's address, we'll mail it. If you wanna hand deliver it, I love a good handwritten note. I love giving handwritten notes, even if people can't read my handwriting and they just go, I assume this is really loving, right? It may or may not be, who knows, right? We want, if, if, if writing's not your thing, maybe take a, t- take a moment to call someone, to FaceTime someone, to send someone a text, to try to meet up with someone for coffee. We want this to be an opportunity, take a moment, Think about the people in your lives, your friends, your families, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people on your teams and your schools and your club, whatever it might be. Think about the people in your life. And if there are people that God is putting on your heart to reach out to, to show a little extra love to, to give a text, to give a call, to write a letter to, to something, please do so because there are people in your lives who just need to feel loved and you never know how impactful your words and your presence and your love can be for other people. As we finish up, we're gonna have one more response song for us. And during this response song, I want us to simply abide in the love of Christ, to dwell in it. Once again, think about the words that you are singing and declaring to the Lord and let them be a blessing to your soul. Let us not just emptily sing words that mean nothing, but instead let us just celebrate how great God has loved us. Let that fill us and let that move us to know him more, to worship him more and to love other people more so that we can have this beautiful moment of seeing other people experience the love of God for themselves. How beautiful it is that we have a God who loves us so much that he took the first step and every step thereafter that we may experience more of his love, that we may know him more and be saved by him. God loves us. Let us abide in that love. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you for being a God who loves so luxuriously, not because you had to, not because we were worth it, but because you just did, but because you just wanted to love us, that you saved us, you moved every mountain, you went through every trial, you experienced every hurt that we could know you and love you and be moved to life by you. You are a God, Jesus, who died for us and rose from the grave so that we could have life in you. 
And I pray that you would move us by your love. Fill us, Holy Spirit, that we may know the true extent of your love for us, that we could move and be your light, your love to other people. Point us in the direction of those who desperately need love. Show them to us. Put them in our hearts, in our thoughts. Bring up conversations and interactions with people that you are saying, I need you and I want you to love that person. Lord, move in our hearts. Fill us. Overwhelm us with your love so that there would be no other option than for us to share it with others. God, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.